Welcome everyone to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our very dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. There you'll also see an option to subscribe for a daily email with both our text reading and the lesson for the day from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lee Flynn. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. Today we continue with Chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality, with Section 9, The Purpose of the Body. We're also mindful of today's review lesson 208, which features the thought from lesson 188, the peace of God is shining in me now, wrapped as we say with the thought, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Lori, what have you selected this morning as an opening? Well, this little tiny piece from Thomas Merton uh, stepped forth this morning and said it all for me. Little tiny piece. Contemplation is spontaneous awe at the sacredness of life, of being. It is a vivid realization of the fact that life and being in us proceed from an invisible, transcendent, and infinitely abundant source. The peace of God is shining in me now. Amen. Mm. Infinitely abundant. Gotta love that. Thanks, Lori. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Lori. All right, everyone. With us in reading, we have Fran, Yvonne, Lori, Lemoyne, Jessica, Karen, and Patricia. With us in listening, we have Ida and Diana. Who else has joined us that would like to say good morning or join that reading list? Okay, we... Uh-huh, good morning. This is Amy. Sorry. I've joined. Hi, Amy. Hi. Okay. And good morning. We're reading from Chapter 18 of the original edition, Section 9, The Purpose of the Body. And we begin. It is only the awareness of the body that makes love seem limited. For the body is a limit on love. The belief in limited love was its origin, and it was made to limit the unlimited. Think not that this is merely allegorical, for it was made to limit you. Can you, who see yourselves within a body, know yourself as an idea? Everything you recognize, you identify with externals something outside itself. 
You cannot even think of God without a body or some form you think you recognize. Fran? Nine, the purpose of the body. It is only the awareness of the body that makes love seem limited. But the body is a limit on love. The belief in limited love was its origin, and it was made to limit the unlimited. Think not that this is merely allegorical, for it was made to limit you. Can you who see yourselves within a body know yourself as an idea? Everything you recognize you identify with externals, something outside itself. You cannot even think of God without a body or some form you think you recognize. The body cannot know. And while you limit your awareness to its tiny senses, you will not see the grandeur which surrounds you. God cannot come into a body, nor can you join him there. Limits on love will always seem to shut him out and to keep you apart from him. The body is a tiny fence around a little part of a glorious and complete idea. It draws a circle, infinitely small, around a very little segment of heaven, splintered from the whole, proclaiming that within it is your kingdom, where God cannot enter, can enter not. Thank you, Fran. Yvonne? Thank you, Lee. The body cannot know. And while you limit your awareness to its tiny senses, you will not see the grandeur which surrounds you. God cannot come into a body, nor can you join him there. Limits on love will always seem to shut him out and to keep you apart from him. The body is a tiny fence around a little part of a glorious and complete idea. It draws a circle, infinitely small, around a very little segment of heaven, splintered from the whole, proclaiming that within it is your kingdom, where God can enter not. 73. Within this kingdom the eagle rules, and cruelly, and to defend this little speck of dust, it bids you fight against the universe. This fragment of your mind is such a tiny part of it that could you but appreciate the whole, you would see instantly that it is like the smallest sunbeam to the sun or like the faintest ripple on the surface of the ocean. In its amazing arrogance, this tiny sunbeam has decided it is the sun. This almost imperceptible ripple hails itself as the ocean. Think how alone and frightened is this little thought, this infinitesimal illusion, holding itself apart against the universe. The sun becomes the sunbeam's enemy, which would devour it, and the ocean terrifies the little ripple and wants to Follow it. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. Lori? Within this kingdom, the ego rules, and cruelly, and to defend this little speck of dust, it bids you fight against the universe. 
this fragment of your mind is such a tiny part of it that could you but appreciate the whole, you would see instantly that it is like the smallest sunbeam to the sun or like the faintest ripple on the surface of the ocean. In its amazing arrogance, this tiny sunbeam has decided it is the sun. This almost imperceptible ripple hails itself as the ocean. Think how alone and frightened is this little thought, this infinitesimal illusion holding itself apart against the universe. The sun becomes the sunbeam's so-called enemy, which would devour it, and the ocean terrifies the little ripple and wants to swallow it. 74. Yet neither sun nor ocean is even aware of all this strange and meaningless activity. They merely continue, unaware that they are feared and hated by a tiny segment of themselves. Even that segment is not lost to them, for it could not survive apart from them. And what it thinks it is, in no way changes its total dependence on them for its being. Its whole existence still remains in them. Without the sun, the sunbeam would be gone. The ripple without the ocean is inconceivable. Thank you, Laurie. Lemoyne. Yet neither sun nor ocean is even aware of all this strange and meaningless activity. They merely continue, unaware that they are feared and hated by a tiny segment of themselves. Even that segment is not lost to them, for it could not survive apart from them. And what it thinks is, what it thinks is in, oh, excuse me, and what it thinks it is in no way changes its total dependence on them or its being. Its whole existence still remains in them. Without the sun, the sunbeam would be gone. The ripple without the ocean is inconceivable. Such is the strange position in which those in a world inhabited by bodies seem to be. Such is the strange position in which those in a world inhabited by bodies seem to be. Each body seems to house a, di- a separate mind, a disconnected thought, living alone, and in no way joined to the thought by which it was created. Each tiny fragment seems to be self-contained, needing each other for some things, but by no means totally dependent on their one creator for everything and needing the whole to give them any meaning. For by themselves, they do mean nothing, nor have they any life apart than by themselves. Thank you, Lemoyne. Jessica? 75. Such is the strange position in which those in a world inhabited by bodies seem to be. Each body seems to house a separate mind, a disconnected thought, living alone and in no way joined to the thought 
by which it was created. Each tiny fragment seems to be self-contained, needing each other for some things, but by no means totally dependent on their one creator for everything and needing the whole to give them any meaning. For by themselves, they do mean nothing. Nor have they any life apart and by themselves. Like to the sun and ocean, your true self continues, unmindful that this tiny part regards itself as you. It is not missing. It could not exist if it were separate, nor would the whole be whole without it. It is, it is not a separate kingdom ruled by an idea of separation from the rest, nor does a fence surround it, preventing it from joining with the rest and keeping it apart from its creator. This little aspect in, is no different from the whole, being continuous with it and at one with it. It leads no separate life because its life is the oneness in which its being was created. Thank you, Jessica. Karen? 76. Like to the sun and ocean, yourself continues, unmindful that this tiny part regards itself as you. It is not missing. It could not exist if it were separate, nor would the whole be whole without it. It is not a separate kingdom ruled by, by a, excuse me, it is not a separate kingdom ruled by, by an idea of separation from the rest, nor does a fence surround it, preventing it from joining with the rest and keeping it apart from its creator. This little aspect is no different from the whole, being continuous with it and at one with it. It leads no separate life because its life is the oneness in which its being was created. 77. Do not accept this little fenced-off aspect as yourself. The sun and ocean are as nothing beside what you are. The sunbeam sparkles only in the sunlight and the ripple dances as it rests upon the ocean. Yet in neither sun nor ocean is the power that rests in you. Would you remain within your tiny kingdom, a sorry king, a bitter ruler of all he surveys, who looks on nothing, yet who would still die to defend it? This little self is not your kingdom. Arched high above it and surrounding it with love is the glorious whole which offers all its happiness and deep, deep content, deep content to every part. The little aspect which you think you are, excuse me, the little aspect which you think you set apart is no exception. Thank you, Karen. Patricia. 77, 
do not accept this little fenced off aspect as yourself. The sun and ocean are as nothing beside what you are. The sunbeam sparkles only in the sunlight, and the ripple dances as it rests upon the ocean. Neither, no, yet in neither sun nor ocean is the power that rests in you. Would you remain within your tiny kingdom, a sorry king, a bitter ruler of all he surveys, who looks on nothing, yet who would still die to defend it? This little self is not your kingdom. Arched high above it and surrounding it with love is the glorious whole which offers all its happiness and deep content. Content. Which offers all its happiness and deep content to every part. The little aspect which you think you set apart is no exception. 78. Love knows no bodies and reaches to everything created like itself. Its total lack of limit is its meaning. It is completely impartial in its giving, encompassing only to preserve and to keep complete what it would give. In your tiny kingdom, you have so little. Should it not then be there that you would call on love to enter? Look, look at the desert, dry and unproductive, scorched and joyless, which make up your little kingdom and realize, realize the life and joy which love would bring, would bring to it from where it comes and where it would return with you. Thank you, Patricia. Do we have a new reader for 78 and 9? I will. Thanks, Ida. You're welcome. 78. Love knows no bodies and reaches to everything created like itself. Its total lack of limit is its meaning. It is completely impartial in its giving, encompassing only to preserve and keep complete what it would give. 
In your tiny kingdom, you have so little. Should it not then be there that you would call on love to enter? Look at the desert, dry and unproductive, scorched and joyless, which makes up your little kingdom. And realize the life and joy which love would bring to it from where it comes and where it would return with you. 79. The capital thought of God surrounds your little kingdom, waiting at the barrier you built to come inside and shine upon the barren ground. See how life springs up everywhere. The desert becomes a garden, green and deep and quiet, offering rest to those who lost their way and wander in the dust. Give them a place of refuge prepared by love for them where once a desert was. And everyone you welcome will bring love with him from heaven for you. They enter one by one into this holy place, but they will not depart as they had come alone. The love they brought with them will stay with them as it will stay with you. And under its beneficence, your little garden will expand and reach out to everyone who thirsts for living water but has grown too weary to go on alone. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. About another new reader, 79 and 80. I can read late, Lana. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Lana. Okay, 79. The thought, capital T, of God surrounds your little kingdom, waiting at the barrier you built to come inside and shine upon the barren ground. See how life springs up everywhere. The desert becomes a garden, green and deep and quiet, offering rest to those who lost their way and wander in the dust. Give them a place of refuge, prepared by love for them, where once a desert was. And everyone you welcome will bring love with him from heaven for you. They enter one by one into this holy place, but they will not depart as they had come alone. The love they brought with them will stay with them. The love they brought with them will stay with them as it will stay with you. And under its beneficence, your little garden will expand and reach out to everyone who thirsts for living water but has grown too weary to go on alone. 80. Go out and find them, for they bring yourself, capital S, with them. And lead them gently to your quiet garden and receive their blessing. Receive their blessing there. So will it grow and stretch across the desert, leaving no lonely little kingdoms locked away from love and leaving you inside. And you will recognize yourself and see your little garden gently transformed into the kingdom of heaven with all the love of its creator shining upon it. 
The holy instant is your invitation to love, to enter into your bleak and joyless kingdom, and to transform it into a garden of peace and welcome. Thank you, Anna. How about another new reader? 80 and 81. This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. Morning. 80. Go out and find them, for they bring your true self with them, and lead them gently to your quiet garden, and receive their blessings there. So will it grow and stretch across the desert, leaving no lonely little kingdoms locked away from love and leaving you inside. And you will recognize yourself and see your little garden gently transformed into the kingdom of heaven with all the love of its creator shining upon it. The holy instant is your invitation to love to enter into your bleak and joyless kingdom and to transform it into a garden of peace and welcome. 81. Love's answer is inevitable. It will come because you came without the body and interpose no barriers which would interfere with its glad coming. In the holy instant, you ask for love only, sorry, in the holy instant, you ask of love only what it offers everyone, neither less nor more, asking for everything you will receive it, and your shining true self will lift the tiny aspect which you tried to hide from heaven straight into heaven. No part of love calls on the whole in vain. No son of God remains outside his fatherhood. Thank you, Sandra. About another new reader. Uh, This is is Micah. I can I can give it a shot. Terrific. Morning, Micah. Thanks. Good morning there. Um, 81. Love's answer is inevitable. It will come because you came without the body and interposed no barriers which would interfere with its glad coming. In the holy instant, you ask of love only what it offers everyone, neither less nor more. Asking For everything, you will receive it. And your shining self will lift the tiny aspect which you tried to hide from heaven straight into heaven. No part of love calls on the whole in vain. No son of God remains outside his fatherhood. 82. Be sure of this. Love has entered your special relationship. And entered fully 
at your weak request. You do not recognize that love has come because you have yet you have not yet let go of all the barriers you would hold against each other and you will not be able to give love welcome separately. You could no more know God alone than he knows you without your brother. But together you could no more be unaware of love than love could know you not or fail to recognize itself in you. Thank you, Micah. Do we have another new reader, 82 and 3? Harrison. Morning, Harrison. Thanks. 82. Be sure of this. Love has entered through a special relationship and entered freely at your weight request. You do not recognize that love has come because you have not let go of all the barriers you hold against each other. And you would not be able to give love welcome separately. You can no more know God alone than he knows you without your brother. But together you could no more be unaware of love than love could know you not or fail to recognize itself in you. 83. You have reached the end of an ancient journey not realizing yet that it is over. You're still worn and tired, and the desert's dust still seems to cloud your eyes and keep you sightless. Yet he whom you welcome has come to you and would welcome you. He has waited long to give you this, Receive it of receive it now of him, for he would have you know him. Only a little wall of dust stands between you. Blow on it lightly and with happy laughter, and it will fall away. And walk into the garden love has prepared for both of you. Thank you, Harrison. And is there another new reader who could conclude with 83? I can do it, Lee. Good morning, it's Jude. Hi, Judy. Thanks. You have reached the end of an ancient journey, not not realizing yet that it is over. You are still worn and tired, and the desert's dust still seems to cloud your eyes 
and keep you sightless. Yet, he whom you welcomed has come to you and would welcome you. He has waited long to give you this. Receive it now of him, for he would have you know him. Only a little wall of dust still stands between you and your brother. Blow on it lightly and with happy laughter, and it will flow and it will fall away and walk into the garden love has prepared for both of you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks, Judy. To recap then, Chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality, Section 9, The Purpose of the Body. From that first paragraph, can you, who see yourselves within a body, know yourself as an idea? From 72, the body cannot know. And while you limit your awareness to its tiny senses, you will not see the grandeur which surrounds you. The body is a tiny fence around a little part of a glorious and complete idea. It draws a circle infinitely small around a very little segment of heaven splintered from the hall, proclaiming that within it is your kingdom where God can enter not. 73, within this kingdom, the ego rules and cruelly, and to defend this little speck of dust, it bids you fight against the universe. This fragment of your mind is such a tiny part of it that could you but appreciate the whole, you would see instantly that it's like the smallest sunbeam to the sun, or like the faintest ripple on the surface of the ocean. Room 75, such is the strange position in which those in a world inhabited by bodies seem to be. Each body seems to house a separate mind, a disconnected thought living alone and in no way joined to the capital thought by which it was created. 76, like to the sun and ocean, your capital self continues unmindful that this tiny part regards itself as you. It is not a separate kingdom ruled by an idea of separation from the rest, nor does a fence surround it, preventing it from joining with the rest and keeping it apart from its creator. This little aspect is no different from the whole, being continuous with it and at one with it. 77, do not accept this little fenced off aspect as yourself. The sun and ocean are as nothing beside what you are. This little self is not your kingdom, arched high above it, and surrounding it with love is the glorious whole, which offers all its happiness and deep content to every part. 78. Love 
knows no bodies and reaches to everything created like itself. Its total lack of limit is its meaning. 79, the thought of God surrounds your little kingdom, waiting at the barrier you built to come inside and shine upon the barren ground. See how life springs up everywhere. The desert becomes a garden, green and deep and quiet, and everyone you welcome will bring love with him from heaven for you. They enter one by one into this holy place. From 80, go out and find them, for they bring your capital self with them and lead them gently to your quiet garden and receive your ble- their blessing there. So will it grow and stretch across the desert. And you will recognize yourself and see your little garden gently transformed into the kingdom of heaven with all the love of its creator shining upon it. The holy instant is your invitation to love, to enter into your bleak and joyless kingdom and to transform it into a garden of peace and welcome. 81, it will come because you came without the body and interposed no barriers which would interfere with its glad coming. And your shining capital self will lift the tiny aspect which you tried to hide from heaven straight into heaven. We have one unmuted line, if you please. From 82, be sure of this. Love has entered your special relationship and entered fully at your weak request. Together, you could no more be unaware of love than love could know you not or fail to recognize itself in you. And finally, you've reached the end of an ancient journey, not realizing yet that it is over, yet he whom you welcomed has come to you and would welcome you. He has waited long to give you this. Receive it now of him, for he would have you know him. Amen. Floor is open. Thank you for that recap, Lee. Oh, thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. I've been in a semi-desert, literally, here in Tucson, Arizona. So it becomes, this session becomes even more real to me uh, when they talk about um, uh, see how life springs up everywhere the desert becomes a garden green and deep and quiet offering rest to those who lost their way and wander in the dust um, it's really beautiful this section thank you 
Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Nice, Ida. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. This is Lana. I love this section because um, it really gives a, really makes distinct and clear the difference between my separated tiny self, (laughs) uh, the fragment, uh, and the whole of what I am as a child of God. And um, it gives me a reference point. You know, when you haven't experienced something, you have no point of reference. Uh, How does one get there without a map uh, or some guide? You know, how do I know I want it if I have no idea of what it is? Um, And and Jesus, for me in this section, um, really gives me an image, uh, um, a reference to aspire to and uh, to hold in my heart as truth uh, because I can't know what I'm not until I know what I am. And, and in this section, Jesus is telling me the truth of what I am. And, um, and every time I have that shift in perception or any type of healing, I love the analogies he uses, uh, you know, of the sunbeam and the wave on the ocean. Um, they're so clear. And, and also the desert, you know, and I think I shared before once when I was visiting my um, relatives in San Diego, we were driving across the desert right after it had rained and the whole desert was in bloom. It was the most amazing thing to see. Um, and I and I feel that that and I remember that image and and when um, I have that shift or when I have experience a miracle, um, that's what it that's exactly what it feels like. If I could give it any words, it would be like a desert coming in bloom, coming alive. Um, you know, the blinders are removed. Or or I could also compare it to the first. I never thought I had a problem with my vision as a child, Uh, but my teachers uh, uh, had a conference and they told my parents, you know, your kid needs glasses, she can't read from the blackboard. And I remember the first time I put them on um, when we were driving home in the car and I looked outside the window and it was like a different world. I mean, everything, I never knew everything was a blur until I saw the clarity of the leaves on the tree and the words on a street sign, (laughs) you know, and I never knew what I didn't have until what I did have was was shown to me. So um, it's it's a very uh, helpful section for me this morning to read this. Um, He really paints a picture for me of the truth of what I am and who my brothers are and what we all are as one in God. So I'm complete. Thank you. Beautiful. Wonderful, Lana. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. So great, Lana. Thank you so much of what I was thinking and feeling. 
Thank you. And so we arrive at the top of the hour with, uh, once again, um, with gratitude, accepting Fran's offer to guide us through today's lesson. Fran, thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in review six, the last review before we start section, the second part of the workbook. Today's lesson is lesson 208. The peace of God is shining in me now. So I thought I'd read some from the original lesson, lesson 188. Okay. The peace of God is shining in me now. Why wait for heaven? Those who see the light are merely covering their eyes. The light is in them now. Enlightenment is but a recognition, not a change at all. Light is not of the world, yet you who bear the light in you are alien here as well. The light came with you from your native home and stayed with you because it is your own. It is the only thing you bring. My book just shut down. I'm sorry. The light came with you from your native home and stayed with you because it is your own. It is the only thing you bring with you from him who is your source. It shines in you because it lights your home and leads you back to where it came from and you are at home. The light cannot be lost. Why wait to find it in the future or believe it has been lost already? Oh, was never there. The peace of God is shining in you now and from your heart extends around the world. The shining in your mind reminds the world of what it has forgotten and the world restores the memory to you as well. From you, salvation radiates with gifts beyond all measure given and returned. God is shining in you now and in all living things. Sit quietly and close your eyes. The light within you is sufficient. It alone has power to give the gift of sight to you. Exclude the outer world and let your thoughts fly to the peace within. They know the way. For honest thoughts, untainted by the dream of worldly things outside yourself, become the holy messengers of God himself. These thoughts you think with him, they recognize their home, and they point surely to their source where God the Father and the Son are one. Thus are our minds restored with them. And we acknowledge that the peace of God still shines in us and from us to all living things that share our life. We will forgive them all, absolving all the world of what we thought it did to us. For it is we who make the world as we would have it. Now we choose that to be innocent, devoid of sin, and open to salvation. And we lay our saving blessing on it. As we say, the peace of God is shining in me now. Let all things shine upon me in that peace. And let me bless them with the light in me. Now we'll go over to lesson 208. 
208. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. The peace of God is shining in me now. I will be still and let the earth be still along with me. And in that stillness, we will find the peace of God. It is within my heart which witnesses to God himself. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. I will take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 208, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. The peace of God is shining in me now. I will be still and let the earth be still along with me. And in that stillness, we will find the peace of God. It is within my heart, which witnesses to God himself. I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you, Fran. Such a great survey of 188, too. Thanks, Fran. Mm-hmm. Thank you thank so you, Fran. much. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Fran. I'm glad you went back to the original lesson there, 188. Thank you. Thank you. It's so beautiful. The peace of God is shining in me now. I just love it. Mm. It's so comforting. Just a couple of lines from that lesson. It really caught my attention from the third um, paragraph of Lesson 188. I had read, as I think you also drew from, the peace of God is shining in you now and from your heart extends around the world. It pauses to caress each living thing and leave a blessing with it which remains forever and forever. And then this from the very next paragraph, um, perhaps the most beautiful line for me in the lesson, the shining in your mind reminds the world of what it has forgotten and the world 
restores the memory to you as well. From you, salvation radiates with gifts beyond all measure given and returned. To you, the giver of the gift, does God himself give thanks. Ah, just so beautiful that I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Lee. Oh, thanks, Lee. Yes, beautiful. That is. holy instant I offer to us <laughs> because I love you as myself this is such a beautiful reading in the text today and thank you Fran for leading us through the meditation I have um, similar um, feelings that uh, Lana expressed you know this experiencing my true self when all I've ever identified with is the experience of being in a body. And the, the um, relinquishment of my senses and my body's sensorial experience, completely forgetting it, even if just for an instant, the holy instant to join with limitlessness and formlessness and eternity in joy and happiness and freedom. It's the spirit, the incredible lightness of spirit, knowing that I am light, knowing that I am the truth, and carrying that with me wherever I go this sense of unity and happiness and joy, this incredible lightness of being that is the truth of who and what I am, the will of God, wholeheartedly embracing all of and everything as myself. The Garden of Eden. Sounds like the Garden of Eden. Eden he is describing here. And the holy instant, and only thing that makes, where, what was that line that I love so, so, that love is inevitable, because love's answer is inevitable, and it will come because I came without the body. <laughs> Who needs the body? Who needs the world? What use has anything in the world yet for me if I'm spirit and I am light? Do I need or want anything of, of what's in the world? What a glorious, glorious and complete idea I am in the mind of God. An irreplaceable idea in the mind of God. 
can I think of myself as an idea in the mind of God? I'd love to think of that, but I think the trick is that my brain is in time and space and it can't think of it. I have to let go of my thinking. <laughs> the whole the whole idea of completely disappearing and melting into the heart of God is one that I'm I'm treasuring today. That peace that is a deep content because it is lacking nothing. It is completely satisfied. A peace that is so still and quiet. Nothing can disturb the peace and stillness that it is. What a glorious reading. Love a holy instant when I ask of love only what it offers everyone neither less nor more, and asking for everything. Just receiving it. Receive it, receive it, receive it. Your shining self will lift the part of me I tried to hide from heaven. That I would try to hide myself from heaven. I used to ask myself, what, what did I do to deserve? Or what did I ever think that made me want to that I thought I could possibly want to leave heaven. <laughs> oh. Be sure. Okay, I'll I'll stop there. I'm gonna blow away the dust. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Oh, thank you, Judy. Welcome. This is Judy. Um, Judy, what you were, what you were talking about reminded me of, I guess, something from yesterday's reading, uh, but uh, that um, the our minds can join, you know, join with not only another mind of, of someone that's in a body, but a memory, a thought, a picture, of anything. And my mind has joined with a piece of music before, and perhaps with all the people listening to that music at the same time. And one example I can give you is, um, I think it was in, 19, in 1989, when the Berlin Wall was coming down and uh, Leonard Bernstein conducted a symphony orchestra in um, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony or part of the symphony that they called the Ode to Joy, except they sang it as Ode to Peace in honor of the Berlin Wall coming down. And I've always loved that piece of music anyway. And when they were singing that, I felt that, and especially that part of it, uh, I felt so transcendent that I think that my mind did fly to all the people um, being happy about the wall coming down and listening to that piece of music and being rather ecstatic about it all. Thanks. I'm complete. Well, thanks, Ida. 
We can join with anything because we are everything. In love, we are everything. And that one mind is all minds. And that one brother or sister are all brothers and sisters. That there is in spirit, one spirit and one mind. It's all one. That oneness is that. Is I'm stopping there. <laughs> Thanks, yes, Judy. Right, Judy. Thank you. Hey, it's Lee. So, boy, does he tell me a lot in this section, right? Boy, does he tell me a lot. He tells me in the most practical of ways that there's nothing out of sorts about what is And he describes what is as an enormous kingdom where all is well and all is whole. A kingdom that is nothing short of heaven itself, that includes everything exactly as it is, but into which comes this little fragment of my mind splintered away from the wisdom of the whole that mistakes my body as my very being and in so doing fences off what I am from the whole that is genuinely all that I am and imagines that within the framework of this, this body, it can separate off from the universe itself and claim that within this little fenced-off part of the whole that is myself, is my kingdom. I disown everything outside the body. I withdraw into the body and I say, this is what I am. This is me. And I defy unity and wholeness and claim that separateness now defines my being. I make of a unit, this body, which is genuinely in no way separate from the whole. I make of it a separation device by withdrawing into it and disowning everything outside the body. What he describes is brilliant. And he describes it in ways that lets me know the alternative to the distorted sense of what I am and the distorted sense of all that I'm not, the alternative to that is to recognize that this wholeness that is the universe, that is the kingdom, that is the heaven that I've fenced off a tiny part of, that wholeness abides it continues like the sun and ocean, completely unaware that a tiny little fragment of my mind that has become blind to the truth of me has in tyranny 
seized upon my awareness and forced an alien notion of my identity upon the whole picture. It's just forced an alien idea upon the whole united single picture that is the expression of heaven, an expression that includes the genuine nature of what this body is without the distortion that makes it appear to be a tiny fence around this little segment of heaven. Do you see what he tells me when he says the body is a tiny fence around a little part of what is genuinely a glorious and complete idea? It draws a circle infinitely small around a very little segment of what? A little segment of heaven. Splintered as though away from the whole, proclaiming that within this little tiny segment of the heaven that's the truth of this whole that the body um, abides within, that within this little tiny segment is my kingdom where I resist everything God would have me know, a little kingdom where God can enter not, and where I set laws and establish rules and a set of values and a whole identity and a whole relationship with everything that abides within this kingdom of unity around me, I set laws and rules that I establish Thank you very much. No thank you, God. I get to tell the universe what it is. I get to tell God where he abides and where he cannot enter. And I get to justify everything that fear directs me to behold rather than what love would offer. It's within these paragraphs that he describes to me the immensity and the grandeur of what I am and the abiding truth of what I've seemingly splintered away from because of the distortion in this little part of my mind where the ego thought system has arisen. The grandeur abides and merely awaits God abides and merely waits. Everything merely waits my giving love welcome. Giving welcome to the holy instant where I'm delivered from this uh, absurdity that is the ego and its notion of what the body is, its notion of what my identity is, its notion of how alien is the world to what I am or to my interests. When I break free of the ego's wretched, it's really a pretty wretched outlook compared to all that Holy Spirit would reveal to me. When I break free, this section describes for me all that's ready to welcome me, that God himself 
is ready to give me welcome. That having broken free of that tiny little kingdom of the ego, I can now, exactly what he describes at the end of this section, his languaging couldn't be more beautiful. Allowing love to enter into this little parched kingdom of mine and see life spring up everywhere. Life and love everywhere. And to invite everyone now into this restored notion of what everything is. What is this enlarged kingdom that love brings me to? And how is it I can lay a table and a feast for everyone who enters to share with me and to come because why? Because they bring myself with them. None of them was ever genuinely separate. Nothing outside me but is part of me. This enormity of what I am and what you are and what collaboratively we have genuinely going on across life is nothing short of grace and grandeur. That's what he describes for me. He's willing to call it the kingdom of heaven. And he's willing to say, I'm invited always, always, when I'm tired of being the, 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 the little tiny sunbeam that wants to deny its relationship to the sun and, and the rest of the universe, when I'm tired of playing in my little... Uh, in my little sandbox, um, it's the universe itself and God and holiness that invites me um, to everything that correction offers me in terms of an alternative to the ego's bleak little being. I'm complete. Guy. Thanks, guys. That's beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. That was fabulous. Thank you, Lee. That was really great, Lee. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you, Yvonne. Thanks, everyone. I love the word tyranny. The tyranny or tyrannous (laughs) control. The ego's tyrannous control of of making us little in, in the author of authority, author of uh, reality, as it sees it. It's, 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 that was great, Lee. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Judy. Good morning. This is Sandra. And um, the peace of God is shining in me now. I think I've heard it said it's this peace of God described as a peace that is beyond understanding. And, and I think the reason for it being beyond all understanding is because in my understanding, in my, it, well, how I've been programmed is not for peace. Um, in this particular paradigm of uh, dualism and opposites. Um, there, there can't be peace without war. You can't even know peace without war. <laughs> and um, so it's beyond all my understanding because also in this 
dualistic paradigm. I've been programmed to judge good and evil and to desire only good and to judge evil. Um, and and it's beyond, oh my goodness, there's a, a hummingbird was right in front of my nose. <laughs> ah, um, I'm definitely sitting in the garden right now. Um, so for me to understand this piece, I have to, there's, there's certain requirements. And the first and foremost is that I let go of all judgment because that's the only way I can have the peace of God. Because um, God doesn't judge. God is unconditional love. And as I identify myself with that as being my creator, my source, my father, um, and, and I extend that peace that I get from knowing my oneness with my creator, that, that knowing that oneness with my creator has brought me, it's the only peace I've ever known. It's the, I mean, I don't, I don't think I even knew what peace was until I started to embody and embrace my unity with my creator. And I have plenty more to go, um, but I know that just the, the tiniest little drop entering into this being brought me great joy, great peace. Um, and yesterday, just I started to do something. I don't know where it came from. It just was something that I was driving in the car and I started to look at all the beauty around me and then look at the spaces. And I started to identify with the space between everything, which is the air. Because I'm not a body, I'm free. I'm still as God created me, I started to identify with being the air that surrounded everything and just, um, you know, bringing the love of God and and surrounding everything. And it was pretty easy to do because I breathe. And so that air not only surrounded me, it was within me as well. And it, it it felt so wonderful and peaceful. And I, I don't, I mean, I didn't, it just came. It just was something that I was inspired to do. And um, and I can see how that, you know, just, just identifying with being the air, not with being the body, but being the space in between that encompasses all things. It was, it was quite an experience. I'm complete. Oh, that was well, I love that description. Thank you so thank much. You, yeah, oh, thank, thank you, Sandra. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. You're an artist. The negative space got you. <laughs> thank you. It's wonderful we're getting more comfortable with uh, not being body identified uh, like that. Thank you, Sandra. And uh, Eckhart Tolle refers to it as space consciousness. And um, 
boy, to get comfortable with that is, is really nice. I had uh, in the reading, I had a little, a, a, a little uh, point that really, like a bob wire, kind of caught me a little bit, and and I, it, and it kind of changed the lens through which I was looking at the rest of our reading to try to find out. Well, you know, the Jesus's words, he requires of us to have a very fluid mind, and. Uh, and if we don't, we end up uh, a little bit conflicted about what he's saying, and and it you you know like it might seem like he's hitting hard on certain things, you know like the body or the world, and and then um, but if one has a fluid mind about what he's saying, one really very soon sees how he he refers back to the transformed world and the glory and love that's in this garden here you know and um but anyway that where i had uh where the barb was was in paragraph 72 the body cannot know and while you limit your awareness to its tiny senses you will not see the grandeur which surrounds you i just love that part god this is where it got the barb is god cannot come into a body nor can you join him there. And that went against everything that I've been kind of feeling lately. And um, and so I was curious, okay, what, what, how, how do I see this? You know, how, how am I not interpreting it quite right or you know, what's going on? Uh, because my, my deeper experiences lately is in this total uh, non-body-identified state, but it, it's it, it's awareness that's totally in the body at the same time, and it looks and watches how God is part of everything, e- even the most intimate uh, sensations of separation from God. You know, there's nothing that can keep God out of anything. So I, I was kind of curious. Well, what? Um, so. Uh, and then I started to see what what I was missing was how he's taking us in, like Sandra pointed to, into the more of the spacious self. And uh, and then from there, uh, it, it you know it embraces everything. It includes everything. So just to go on, I'm I'm kind of processing as I'm reading here. Uh, this little, so down in the bottom of the paragraph 72, this little segment of heaven splintered off from the whole, proclaiming that within it is your kingdom. So here's this illusion of a separate self, uh, proclaiming its little kingdom here, and that where God can enter not. And so he's saying uh, that the, that's what the ego does. It says God can not enter but God can enter everywhere and in everything, you know. So um, that that kind of gave me a little reassurance because it seemed like he was applying that in truth. Truth would see that God can enter here. I know this sounds kind of cerebral, but uh, it's kind of experiential. Um, and then and I got another highlight on 75. Uh, dependent on their one creator for everything and needing the whole to give them any meaning 
For by themselves they do not mean they do mean nothing. For by themselves they do mean nothing, nor have they any life apart and by themselves. And I and I I enjoyed reading that because that that seemed to melt me again and the awareness more into a sense of a spacious self that was permeating the experience of space time. Uh, okay, you're dependent on you know the one creator for everything and needing the whole to give them any meaning for by themselves they do not mean for the, by themselves they do mean nothing nor have they any life apart and by themselves and that just, that river of life just suddenly came alive and how it permeates everything including the body um and then in Paragraph 76, this little aspect is no different from the whole, being continuous with it, and at one with it. It leads no separate life, because its life is the oneness in which its being was created. And so the more, I was, as I was sitting here, I was looking at well, what, what the main block was to any deeper understanding of what's going on in this experience of space-time, of being here right now in a, what seems like a physical body, is uh, this sense of a separate self that uh, it, it's addressed right in this, this what, we, what I just read, that this little aspect is no different from the whole being continuous with it. And that sense of a separate self just started to melt away into this one life and there was no way that god was not within a body you know it's it's part of that and the body is holographic in in uh as pure energy uh let's see there was in 77 arched high above it and surrounding it with love is the glorious whole which offers all its happiness and deep content content to every part the little aspect which you think you set apart is no exception you know it's part of that wholeness and boy it just permeates the body in in a glorious way and and, you know it's all love like he talks about where where like in 78 love knows no bodies because you know it's permeating everything It's, it's one with everything um, I, you know, in the formless, it seems more obvious. When when, I, when the awareness lifts out of all body uh, limitations and moves into the spacious self, it seems like truth in space is really clear and um, and and more and more I'm seeing that, that that nothing can keep that love or truth out of the dream of space time. It's all permeated by it. Um, just, here's a sentence. I don't know why it stood out here. And realize the life and joy which love would bring to it where it comes and where it would turn with you. Anyhow, um, I'm kind of... Uh, and I love here where it says in 81, love's answer is inevitable. It will come because you came without the body and, and interposed no barriers which would interfere with its glad coming. 
And again, it's that movement into the spacious self where love is freely felt and it never negates uh, the body or time-space. And, and, um, and, the, and the dream of time-space keeps going on. And it just is uh, so glorious to walk in, in this dimension um, being less body-identified at times and, and to feel that, that oneness of it all. Uh, uh, anyway, that, that's, that's, that's all me. But I do like how he ties into the holy relationship in 82 and, and how, how this is our relationship with each other. You could no more, you could no more know God alone than you know you, than he knows you without your brother. But together you could no more be unaware of love than love could know you not or fail to recognize itself in you. And that's the beauty of this movement into the space consciousness is, is that that's where we join with our brother so easily. And that's where I can more clearly feel the Christ being born and the relationship to God more purely. But isn't it beautiful when it shines through all these forms and enlightens our hearts in space-time. That's a miracle. Uh, and, and I think in The Course of Love it says form is the highest expression of the universe. You know, and, and I, I, I was, was startled at that until I started to comprehend, oh my God, to have love and, and, and light permeating form and giving rise to it, it's astounding, you know. Anyway, I'm done. Thanks. That was great, Mike. Uh, I sure look forward to um, just uh, tendering that inquiry in the after call. Um, uh, the question, what does he intend um, by that sentence? Um, Love knows no body and God cannot enter no body with you. Um, we have uh, over a dozen on the call and many that we've not heard from so. Let's open it up. Thanks, Micah. Thank, Thank you, Micah. I, I, I really followed you through that, and it seemed like you unhooked yourself from that barb there. But, um, but yeah, sure, we could talk about it some more later. Thanks. Thanks, Jessica. And we're at that time of the call where we especially welcome those we've not heard from. Oh, hi, everybody. This is Lori. Um, I don't, am I off mute? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, boy, there's, there's so much in this section that's so beautiful. Um, but I think what I'd like to highlight, um, what I'd like to highlight is purpose. And, of course, the section title itself, Purpose of the Body. Purpose of the Body. The whole section taken as a whole speaks of 
the transformative power of living water to me. And um, and that's a symbol that I love very much because it's a symbol that can actually be experienced. That rising up of living water, that abundant love of source that lifts us up and takes us straight to heaven. That state of mind where everything is one. And in this section, the description is so elegant of what happens when I allow the purpose of the body to be transformed. He says in paragraph 73, it makes it really clear in paragraph 73, the body is home of the ego, which uses the body, you know, the ego body illusion is, is one, okay? The body thinks, or the ego thinks the body is its home, and as such uses the body as a device to separate and defend. And whatever the body does uh, in the purpose of separation and defense uh, is attack. From the tiniest little frown on the brow, he says, to the tiniest little frown on the brow is a thought of attack the ego using the body as its home has no other purpose but to defend that little kingdom and remain in conflict with the universe. But love, love, capital S self, is unaware of all that thought. In the same way that soul responds to everything that is true and doesn't see anything except truth, that's what self is like it doesn't it's not even aware of this mad idea this mad idea and so what's what's to become well every single lesson he gives us in this work every single lesson starting with lesson 41 is an invitation to go within and listen listen oh I just loved in lesson today honest thoughts what is an honest thought I might ask myself an honest thought to me is a thought that says I don't know I don't know I simply do not know is the most honest thing I can say in invitation to love because what is I don't know but the expression of the empty cup, the empty space. Oh, so beautiful, Sandra. The empty space that love can fill. Every lesson in this review is that same invitation. Forget everything you thought you knew. Forget everything you thought you knew. And come with that honest thought. That honest thought that says, truth is what my father says it is love is what my father says it is love's meaning is what my father says it is and the experience of it is exactly like he describes 
It's exactly like he describes when he talks about living water in paragraph 79. When that living water starts to flow from the fount of God in response to my honest invitation, I don't know. I don't know. Tell me what I am. Tell me what love is. Tell me what holiness is. Speak to me of love and peace. I don't know what any of that is. Is the laying down of my defenses and my conflicts in open invitation. And what happens in paragraph 78 and 79 and 80, this invitation to the holy instant, is this open space that self, capital S, self, fills up with himself. The living water starts to flow. The miracle of atonement is received. And look what happens to the dry and dusty place. It becomes the garden it always was. The garden it always was. I didn't have to go anywhere for this to happen. I didn't have to do anything for this to happen. I needed only to go to my honest thought. I don't know. He said yesterday in paragraph 68, I need do nothing is a statement of allegiance, of truly undivided loyalty. I want to see with my single eye, Father. When my single eye knows love, it can see it everywhere because that's all I can picture. I can only picture thoughts I hold about myself. And when I let this space be filled with truth, when I let my mind return to source, and source lifts me by himself, with himself, and fills my mind with himself, I experience that living water. Living water shares itself. It requires nothing to be what it is. It shares itself when my mind is healed and my vision is single. I've what? I've changed the purpose of the body. I've changed the purpose of the body. It's no longer my tool to, to defend separation and conflict with the universe. It's my tool for communication, for communion of sharing the idea of love. It shares itself. He says, in what is the body, identify with love and you are safe. Identify with love and you are home. Identify with love and find your capital as self. Allow God's purpose to be worked in me by healing of my mind. And everything else follows the little garden watered with living water isn't for me alone it's for the world it shares itself when my mind is healed and oh my god paragraph 82 takes me straight to what he taught himself it, it was a very obscure teaching it was a very obscure teaching but he talked about wine and he talked about leaven in a way that people then could understand. We understand what happens to wine. When wine is allowed to sit and rest, what happens? It expands. 
it grows. And that was my experience of converting special relationship where you and I against the world <laughs> to holy relationship. We are home. We are the home of love. When that new wine enters, it can't enter the old wineskin. It will break the old wineskin. And that's what forgiveness does over and over and over. Forgiveness, I allow truth to be true. I allow truth to be true. I lift my illusions that I've cast upon the world, upon you, and upon God, and upon creation over and over and over. And what happens? The new wine, the love, is allowed to flourish. And in its flourishing, it becomes a welcome for everyone. No one's excluded from this happy place. Now I understand what he means by happy dream. I was the dreamer. I was the dreamer. When I let my mind be changed, I discovered the reality of love and love's meaning as that living water that waters creation. It can be no more contained than a sunbeam can be the sun. Capitalist self is the new wineskin. The transformation of this dry and dusty place to a garden watered with living water. Love, I've changed the purpose of the body from defense and conflict I've changed the purpose. I've allowed the body's purpose to be changed from defense and conflict to healing. And love does all that. I'm complete. Yay. Thank you, Lori. Oh, thank you, Lori. That was lovely. Yay. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you, Lori. <clears throat> Thank you, everyone. We are at the conclusion of our recorded time. Thanks, everyone, for being here, all who shared, everyone who read with us, and all who are here and listening. Lori, what have Thank you said? To close with. I must be on mute. You know, I was given really, really specific direction thank god for this today in par in, in chapter 24 he says what put, what could the purpose of the body be but specialness and it is this that makes it frail and helpless in its own defense it was conceived to make you frail and helpless goal separation is its curse yet bodies have no goal purpose is of the mind and minds can change as they desire what they are and all their attributes they cannot change this capitalist self but what they hold as purpose can be changed and body states must shift accordingly of itself the body can do nothing see it as a means to hurt and it is hurt see it as a means to heal and it is healed in the resolution of the dream he says, the Christ in you is quiet, for he knows that love is in you now and safely held in you by that same hand that holds your brothers in your own.
Christ's hand holds all his brothers and himself. He gives them vision for their sightless eyes and sings to them of heaven. And their ears may hear no more the sound of battle and of death. He reaches through them, holding out his hand that everyone may bless all living things and see their holiness. There must be doubt before there can be conflict, and every doubt must be about yourself. Christ has no doubt, and from his certainty his quiet comes. He will exchange his certainty for all your doubts if you agree that he is one with you and that his oneness is endless, timeless, and within your grasp because your hands are his. He is within you. Yeah, he walks beside you and before, leading the way that he must go to find himself complete. His quietness becomes your certainty. And where is doubt and certainty has come. Amen. 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 Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks, everyone.